Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Web3 Business Podcast, helping you navigate the future of business. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Web3 Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web3. Today, I'm going to be joined by Chevy Kassar, and we're going to explore why Web3 is still not very big, what's kind of holding us back, and what needs to happen for us to grow. And I think it's going to be an interesting conversation for you from a philosophical perspective on kind of like why we haven't yet got where we need to go, but why we're really, really close. I hope you really enjoy it. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. Also, if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Chevy Kassar. Helping you to simplify your Web3 journey, here is this week's expert guide. Today, I am very excited to be joined by Chevy Kassar. If you don't know who he is, Chevy is a growth specialist. He's co-founder and lead writer for Web3 Daily, a daily newsletter that translates Web3 news into plain English. And I love reading your newsletter. Chevy, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, man? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited you're here today. We are going to explore how to onboard more people into Web3. And, you know, we live in a world where most of the world does not understand Web3 or any of the concepts of Web3. And what I'm excited about, Chevy, is is the work that you're doing and how this is kind of going to be a big deal for the world. But before we go there, I want to back up the train a little bit. I want to hear your story. How the heck did you get into Web3? Start wherever you want to start. Yeah. So the cheat answer would be 2017. That was the first time I bought Bitcoin. What was the price back then? $5,000. Okay. Did you keep it? <laughs> I did. I did. I bought like, I think 50 bucks worth. Wow. It, was, 
I'm kicking myself, but yeah. I think everyone needs to go through that. Most people I talk to, it's like they've either lost money or had the opportunity to make money and didn't take it. And in hindsight, that pain is is there. And that's what makes them go, all right, I'm really going to dive in deep. And that's kind of how it went for me. I In 2020, that's when I did my deep dive back into it. Bitcoin was on the way up. Yeah. Why did you decide to get into it in 2020? Tell us a little bit about that story. I think the, the main thing for me was I'd had my little uh, tracker app on my phone that it just like for four years straight had pretty much just been giving me a notification saying like, guess what? You just lost more money. Guess what? You just lost more money. And then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, this thing's bouncing back. And I was like, ah, all right. You know, I don't want to jump into this blindly. So I should try and educate. And I think what most people will experience is you go, you open a few doors and you think, all right, I'm, I'm making progress. But with every door, another 10 open. And so that kind of started the, the spiral into learning about the space that is Web3, Bitcoin itself, and then the broader cryptocurrency space. So 2020, you get back into the space and tell us a little bit about like, you know, what happened between then and the launching of the newsletter and then tell us how you got the idea and what you're doing there. I would love to hear that story. Yeah. So my co-founder, Seb and I, we were, we're working on a, a separate company, or at least it's what Web3 Daily pivoted from. And we were essentially trying to create sort of like a masterclass for YouTubers. We'll produce everything, help you script it all, decide on what you want to teach. And then we work together to essentially market your creation to your audience and as well as like finding new audiences for you. Sounded great on paper. Um, what we learned very quickly was there's a lot of forks in the road, a lot of potential speed humps, and it was really hard to kind of get this rhythm. Also like a chicken and the egg sort of thing. Like, you know, we have one really great course, but then all of a sudden people are like, cool, what, what else is there? And it's like, well, it's going to take us six months again to find someone, produce it. So we were kind of, we were having this thing of like, look, it's a nice idea. You know, Masterclass proved that you can build off other people's communities, but we were like, we kind of want to do something that is our own and something that we are just obsessed with. And it, weirdly enough, it took us a while to realize that the only little channel in our Slack that was without fail every day going off was the Web3 channel. So we were like, I mean, we've been talking about this stuff for the past year. Why not find an excuse to talk about it daily publicly? We were like, all right, newsletter. Let's start there. When did you start that? We started in February of last year. 2022. Okay. We didn't launch until March. So essentially, Web3 Daily was just for the first month, a shared Google document between me and Seb. We'd each write a couple articles and then like edit one another's and be like, all right, I, yeah, okay, this is cool. I, I think this should be our voice or yeah, tweaked it. Launch, I think it was the 1st of March. I'd have to go back. But yeah, and it was a really weird time to start because everything had been going great in the crypto market. But then- In March is when everything started going down, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was like, everyone thought it was, hey, it's a little dip, you know? We'll pull back. Then Luna happened and then it just kept going. But we found an audience and we love what we do. So we just kept going with it and it, it found its legs and has been growing ever since. For those that don't know, I mean, is it Monday through Friday? Is that how often, or is it seven days a week? How often are you publishing it? Monday through Friday? Monday through Friday. Yep. 7 a.m. Eastern. It's a great newsletter. Hey, thanks. And why don't you tell everybody, like, when you started, what was the intent? And who was the audience? And then how has it shifted, if at all, since you started? 
the audience was weirdly enough ourselves in that it was like we were coming into the space being like, what does everything mean? Why are transaction fees called gas fees? That doesn't make sense. Why is everyone talking about function and not benefits? So it was just that thing of like, well, we don't know. And there's that we, we want to learn and we will be forced to every day if we write about it. So, yeah, I mean, the the initial you know, hook was Web3 and crypto news translated into plain English. And literally a few hours ago, I just updated the little tagline, which is like kind of what we want to be is like, you're no bull gateway drug to Web3. This is what I love about what you're doing. The articles that you write, and I'm going to pump you up a little bit because you're not going to say this yourself, but you do an incredible job of taking complex topics and essentially boiling them down to the essence. You use pop culture, you use a lot of animated GIFs, you make it fun, and I don't know how you do it, but it's pretty crazy what you do. And you send it out every single day. So you started obviously with nothing. And today, how many people are you emailing every day? 16,000. I think we're just about to hit 17,000. It's been a really good week. Start of the week, we're at 15.8. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's been good growth week. So I think that what I love about what you're doing, Chevy, is that there is a big world out there that does not understand, just like I didn't understand when I first got started, just like you didn't understand when you first got started, just like some people listening to this podcast are total beginners. They don't understand what Web3 is, what NFTs are, what DAOs are, and all the connections of all these crazy things. And you do a really good job at demystifying it. And you also cover a little bit of DeFi, right? Don't you? Decentralized finance is some of the stuff that you cover inside your newsletter. So who would you say the target audience today is for the newsletter? If you were to split it, there would be that very clear Web3 next generation connect wallet on website versus, you know, buy, hold, sell. The way we structure it is we've just you know, got a template set up that's like, all right, an important article, pretty much like what's everyone talking about today? A cool article that can just be, you know, it doesn't have to be groundbreaking news, but it's like something you can take to your friends and be like, did you hear about this? Neat. And then one, there's just any opportunity to educate because a lot of the time there'll be like, it's not hard to find very technically dense articles and then be like, cool, here's what all this means. Here's the stupid part of it. Here's how it benefits you. Crazy question. You and your partner must have to spend a lot of time like processing a lot of news and trying to like, because there's a lot of news. <laughs> I subscribe to a lot of newsletters, right? And there's an enormous amount of stuff coming out and some of it's super technical. Some of it's very corporate. Some of it's very focused on NFTs. You must be reading constantly and trying to like process this stuff all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a daily thing. We've got a good little process down by the time I wake up in the morning Seb's found, you know, important, cool, educate, and a bunch of other options. I'll pick mine, he'll pick his. Yeah, it, it is a lot, but a lot of the time it's, it's kind of like I, I've come to this realization. You just, you pick what speaks to you if you see something there. You know, there's some days where you know, the biggest news stories are just absolute snoozes. I was like, all right, well, who cares? And sometimes it'll just be like, oh, someone's paid a lot of money for PR and they're like headline of every major crypto news sites. It's like, well, no one cares about that. Yeah. They're taking a victory lap. 
Well, first of all, thanks for sharing a little bit of your story. I love the fact that you just decided to go all in and you're going to cover this news and you're going to be coming up on a year here pretty soon. And you're going to look back and say, remember when it was only 16,000 because I've got over 400,000 email subscribers yeah, baby. on my other thing. And I remember in the beginning, you know, I was like, yes, 10,000 is a big number, right? And then it's like, whoa, hundreds of thousands, you know, and it's just really exciting what you're doing. And I encourage a lot of people to check it out. It's a web three daily.co, right? Is that where they go to, to sign up for it? Yes. We, we couldn't afford the .com, but one day. One day you'll get it. When we're at 400,000 subs. There you go. My next question is there's probably a lot of people listening right now that are still skeptical about Web3. Lots of them, somehow they're business minded. Maybe they're creators, maybe they're entrepreneurs, maybe they work for an existing business and maybe they're in the marketing department, but they're not yet there yet. What do you want to say to them? Why Web3? What are they missing? What is the opportunity in your opinion? Well, so first off, if they're skeptical, amen, as they should be. Our angle is, and it's, it's maybe not as common within the hardcore spaces, like most of it is bullshit. 99% of what you see today won't be there 10 years from now. But then why are we in it? We have that feeling that it's the same point in Web3 that it was the early internet in the 90s. You know, more failed than they did succeed name a few that's like, all right, there's Google, PayPal, Amazon, Yahoo's still struggling along. But, you know, from all of those companies that were launched in the dot-com boom, most of them are gone. And it, it feels like we're doing the same thing here. So the, the skepticism is completely valid. And we're with you on that. The exciting part is digging out and trying to logically think out, yeah, is there space for this? And the really exciting part is that a lot of it is pretty weird. And when you find something where you're like, this sounds so stupid. And then you start to map it out and you're like, actually, I can see a pathway for this. Like the metaverse for the longest time for me has been like, no, just because the the main exposure has been the Facebook version of the metaverse. It's just like, I don't, I don't see it. And the more I learn and the more I see these little tiptoes forward. Yeah. It's still early days, but I'm starting to get excited about it. As for why you should pay attention, you don't have to. I think, again, it's one of those things where it's like, if you want to be on the forefront of it, great, get in, learn. There can be fortunes made. And you know, remember back in the day when Google AdSense was a center click, people built empires off that. I'm also like completely open to the idea of like sitting back. I got into marketing and e-commerce once Shopify was a thing. You know, it was, it was all kind of done for you. It's drag and drop. You're good to go fresh right out of the box. Had I have done that a decade earlier, I would have been coding my own websites. And right now in Web3, that is very much where it's at. You know, and to those people that are like, yeah, it's early and most will fail. Here's some feedback from this gray haired guy. I started my business in the 90s and my first business isn't the business that I'm running right now. So I started as a website design company, you know, and then I eventually went on to become a writer. And then I eventually started a media company. But all those experiences that I built along the way enabled me to be able to do what I'm doing right now. So my encouraging word to you who are listening is even though you might not be here doing a Web3 thing the same way you would today, 10 years from now, it doesn't mean that A might not lead to B, that it might not lead to Z. And Z might be the biggest thing you've ever done in your life, right? And again, I am so convinced that this technology is going to be 
permeating all aspects of business. That's the whole reason I'm over a year into this show. And I think one of the big opportunities is going to be guiding people into this frontier because it is complex. Just like the internet was complex back in the early days, you had to know how to do HTML coding. Today, you might have to hire a smart contract developer. Then WordPress came along. Now you don't ever need to do a bit of coding again. It's all drag and drop GUI interfaces, right? And I'm sure the same thing is in development right now for the world of Web3. And some people in the future might be laughing listening to this episode in 2023 saying, oh yeah, that came out in late 2023 or that came out in 2024, Mike, you were dead on right, right? It's coming. We know it's coming, but it's not here today. So as a result of it not being here today, there are roadblocks to stopping people from getting into Web3. And I would love to hear from your perspective, what are some of the big things that you feel are barriers to entry into Web3 that we need to overcome if we're going to try to bring customers, people, consumers into the world of Web3? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the quickfire ones is the wallet. Essentially, it's kind of like your sign in with Google, but for the crypto world, Connect Wallet is just translating that that in your head to sign in with Google, permeated across the net, and you kind of have the general idea of where people are going with it. If you learn how to use it, it's cool. But coming into it for the first time, it is a minefield of poor UX design, confusing new concepts that are, there's a lot of assumption, you know, built into it. I recently had a really great experience with signing up for a flow wallet, I think. And it was just email, create password, you're in. And then typically there is a barrier where it's like, you need to write down these 12 random words, put them on a piece of paper. Don't write them in your notes, on your phone, nothing, no internet connected devices because they can be hacked. That part of the learning curve shifted forward, you know, with the flow one, it's like, you still do that, but you can open it up and start buying, trading NFTs, whatever you want right there. And then, and then the security comes after for people like you and I that are really excited about the space. We'll go through that. We'll go, yeah, all right, we'll do some Google searches and figure it out. And then we'll get the desktop version and put our 12 words in and mimic it on our desktop. That's all well and good. But if I'm trying to convince my mom to get a MetaMask, so I can send her some Ethereum, that's that's not going to work. So just perfecting that. And I'm being cynical in that, like in this moment, but I I, I trust that that uh that will be pushed forward. That I meet more and more people in the space now that are specifically UX designers, and that's really exciting. Another one I would say right out the gate, which is you know, kind of what we do at Web3 Daily is language. A lot of it is needless in many ways, you know, like gas fees, why are they called gas fees? a transaction fee. A lot of this can be softened and a lot of a lot of it doesn't need to be known. Like I don't need to know what TTPS protocols are, but I use the internet every day. So it's, again, a lot of it is kind of like you become almost over-educated. A lot of that stuff right now is unfortunately needed. I think that'll go into the background. The biggest thing that'll just push everything forward is proven roadmaps. You know, once we see people doing it and succeeding, Others will follow. They'll take the model. They'll make it their own. Rinse and repeat. The same thing. I mean, again, I talk from the point of like starting Shopify stores. You know, you see someone else do it. A buddy of yours is like, yeah, I'm selling stuff on the side. I'm making money. All right. How did you learn that? Oh, YouTube videos. That sort of massive content and proven method, it doesn't exist just yet. But it's being done quite well in the NFT space. I've noticed some really great kind of community activations. It's kind of started at the very high end just to turn up the bullishness 
of like, why should you get into Web3 right now? If you have a highly engaged audience with high brand affinity for whatever you're doing, Web3 supplies a lot of great options for nurturing those super fans. I think for the next, I don't, let's say 10 years, a lot of Web2 is still going to be that bringing in the top of funnel brand awareness consideration. But once you get down to the bottom, Web3 is perfect for going like, all right, you're our super fans. Here's how we're going to take care of you. Um, and it's not just by giving them an NFT with a JPEG in it. It's more so that acting as their ticket to whatever you want to give them. If you're Supreme or Louis Vuitton, maybe it's a fireside chat with the head designer. If you're a musician, maybe it's a private show. That's, that's where I see it going. Yeah. And by the way, this is part of the reason we developed a free course called Web3 for Beginners, which is at socialmediaexaminer.com slash Web3 course. And one of the things that I identified was, first of all, a conceptual understanding of what Web3 is and how it's different than Web2, right? And, and why we even need a Web3. So we go into that. And then for sure, the language, like there's dozens of, of terms that this space uses that if you don't understand what they are, it just flies right over your head. It's like a foreign language. And I'm with you on that hundred percent. And then there's like how to set up the MetaMask wallet, right? And security obviously is a big thing too, right? Cause every day you hear stories about people's wallets getting drained, right? Because they accidentally clicked on the wrong thing. And on top of this also, as we're recording this, we're also dealing with a lot of negative PR, right? We're dealing with a lot of the Sam Bankman Freeds of the world, which have scammed people out of crypto, which is scared. Thanks a lot, Sam. Right, which has scared people, right? Scared people into thinking that all of Web3 is this scam that where everyone's going to steal your money, right? And it's like all that negative PR tied with all that stuff. And then the question of regulation too, right? Is it going to be legal? Is it going to be illegal in our country or in other countries? These are all big things. And I think it's pretty clear regulation is coming, which is probably a good thing. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, clear and fair. That's kind of our, our lead line is fair and clear regulation. It felt for a while like it was heading very clearly in that direction. But then Sam Bankman-Fried is, was essentially the, uh, the golden boy of D.C., He's the Bernie Madoff of, I don't know if you know the story, but he's like the Bernie Madoff of crypto, right? And he scammed everybody. And now everybody thinks that all that world is, is a scam. And it's funny because like you see major brands, I think it was the Smithsonian recently that tried to launch an NFT project. I might be wrong on that brand, but they were getting a lot of flack from their consumers because they thought they were riding that scam wave. Was it the Smithsonian? Am I right on that? Or It was very close, not Geo. Oh, National Geographic. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's like when you operate in these crazy times and this, you know, that's why I think if regulation comes, it'll, it'll essentially say, look, this is a legit thing, you know, and there's things set up to protect us and it, it's coming. But the fact of the matter is we live in a world where it's chaos right now. Right. And so given these problems, given the fact that the wallet's confusing, the user interfaces suck, the language is completely confusing regulation isn't here and then also there isn't a lot of proven roadmaps you know in light of all of that how do we actually overcome these if we're trying to perhaps bring other people in you know where do we need to go from here i've been thinking a lot about the next 10 years or so of mass adoption and i don't think a lot of it will happen through choice you know it won't be like okay time to get into web3 you won't be tricked into it, but it'll be, so for example, Starbucks just opened up an NFT rewards program. 
They didn't call it that though. It's just digital collectibles for people that love Starbucks. They already have a collector's base for Starbucks mugs that I've only just recently learned about. Like people go to different cities and get like the city's Starbucks mug. It's only available in that city. And there's a collector base there. Web3 technology kind of comes in and goes, okay, we're not going to touch that kind of avid fan base, but we're just going to make it way easier for you to collect. And you'll be able to see the rarity of whatever the item is because it's a digital item. That's going to touch way more consumers than half of these Web3 projects we talk about. The, the really big thing that I see coming is gaming. Not Web3 gaming, but just Web3 integrated gaming. Because there is a huge opportunity for, I mean, let's call it like it is, massive profit for gaming companies, console makers. The problem they're, that they're facing now, and rightly so, is there's backlash because they're trying to sell people NFTs in order to start playing. I think what we'll see is a flip. Sony have started filing, I think it was NFT, Web3. Trademarks? All to do with, yeah, it was trademarks around. Uh, not trademarks, probably, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I think that they were on filings. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the, the signal was they're moving into the space. The way I, I can imagine it coming in is all of a sudden your Sony account has, you know, an items section the in-game items you collect are now also attached to your Sony account. You don't have to enter the game to see your item list. It's subtle, but they will be Web3 enabled. It will essentially be NFTs, but they'll just be called digital collectibles or item hall, whatever it is. Then next comes the secondary marketplace. So on your PS5, when you boot it up, there'll be a marketplace section. You can see in real time the rarity of those items you've collected in-game, what people will pay for them, and if you want to, you can start profiting. It's all free. You collected it in-game. The benefit for someone like Sony or a particular game maker is they can collect royalties in perpetuity for every sale that's made. So Epic Games, who created Fortnite, their whole business model is selling you cosmetic skins. They don't alter your gameplay in any way, but there is like you can tell who's been there for the longest because there's some from like season one of Fortnite that are no longer available. And it's like, oh, you got that when there was... 20 people playing this thing. It's this status symbol. How do they turn that single sale from five, six years ago into continued profit? Well, if you created a marketplace where people could trade it openly, you can program in a royalty fee in perpetuity every time it changes hands. The longer it goes on, the more players come on board, the rarer those early skins become. So I, it, I think it'll be one of those things where it's like, oh, I didn't know I had a Web3 wallet. I didn't have to sign up. I didn't have to put a 12-word seed phrase in. It just all of a sudden was integrated with my Starbucks app or on my PlayStation. I think that's that's where it'll start to really permeate. Yeah, and when we were prepping for this, and this is a word that you also mentioned earlier, roadmaps, right? So it seems to me what I'm hearing you say is, when you look at what Epic Games has historically done with skins and you think about how instead of those things just being random assets living in a database, they could actually be NFTs that could be freed from the game and traded outside the game and have a lot of value on a secondary marketplace. That's a model that is a roadmap that potentially someone could use if they're developing something new. In the case of Starbucks Odyssey, my understanding is I'm not a Starbucks drinker. So, but my understanding is you already have the app on your phone and you don't need a special app. 
And when you use this app, which has been their loyalty reward program, they incentivize you. For example, they say if you come in the store and order coffee for like two weeks in a row, you get a special stamp. And that stamp is an NFT. And I've had uh, Brian Fanzo on the show, and he's told me that that stamp sells for like 360 bucks on the secondary market. Get out. Yeah, that's what people are willing to pay for that thing already. So again, like you can actually turn your habit, in this particular case, Starbucks regular coffee drinking, into a, they're gamifying it, right? Where you're earning stamps that might be limited edition stamps based on seasons, right? Like they, maybe they'll have the Halloween season or the Christmas season or the summer season stamps, right? And they might have one for certain years. And perhaps there's going to be a limited number of those because not everybody's participating. And then over time, those are things that you can buy, sell, and trade. And that's a, that's a fascinating model, right? And then Nike, do you know what, can you explain what Nike's been doing? You are actually telling me about Dot Switch. I've heard of Dot Switch, but I was like, I haven't written about it, so I don't. Yeah, here's what I know. Here's what we know about Nike. Nike purchased Artifact, which is R-T-F-K-T, I think, an NFT platform that has an artist and they create this create digital art. Are you familiar with that at all or is that new to you? Do you track that space at all? Artifact? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know about Artifact. I didn't know that they were doing the dot swoosh. Yeah, so Artifact is owned by Nike and the swoosh thing Nike, a while back, had this random sales page that said, sign up, get notified when we launch. Nobody knew what it was. They just knew it was a Web3 thing. Then I got an email a couple of weeks ago that said, guess what? You get to come in and create your dot swoosh account. And the way it worked was I went in, and I'm not a huge Nike fan, to be honest with you, but I figured I wanted to get it. I was invited in. I used my email address. And once I got in, and I think I created a password, but once I got in, it asked me to come up with an identity. And I chose marketing.swoosh. I could have chose my last name.swoosh. I could have chose, I tried Web3, but it was already taken, you know? And I'm thinking to myself, all right, we've seen these domain names with .eth, right? And we've also seen what Unstoppable Domains has done with .nft and many other ones. And it's like these domain names might have some sort of use in the future as NFTs, right? Because you can buy and trade and sell them. But in the case of Nike, after I created my domain, then I it went through a process and set me up a wallet. And I don't remember if it gave me seed phrases or not, but they set me up a digital wallet and they, and they did the whole thing, but they onboarded me with the email in the beginning, right? And I think it was Flow. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was some sort of, maybe it was, Polygon. I don't remember the actual tech behind the scenes that was powering it, but I signed up. They've got my email address. I've done nothing with it, but they're saying there's going to be all sorts of fascinating things that they're going to be doing with it. So whatever they do, I don't know what they're going to do, but I got my, my name and I kind of feel like people do this with social platforms, right? Chevy, they go and they're like, when a new platform comes out, they secure their name, right? Yeah. I can never get mine because JM has it. <laughs> there you go. So roadmaps, like we need more roadmaps, right? And we've got some successful roadmaps in the NFT world. We've got uh, Yuga Labs with the Board Ape Yacht Club. We've got Kevin Rose with what he's done with Proof and Moonbirds. And there's others, of course, Zuki and all these others. But I think the concept here is we need some success stories is what I'm really hearing from you, right? And we, and we need 
people to get inspired by these success stories and say, oh, well, if they're doing that, I wonder if I take a twist on this and I can do that. Is that kind of where you're going with roadmaps? Yeah, like for me right now, it's it's super exciting that everyone's trying this stuff. Some of it's failing. There's really weird high concept things going on. You're like, I don't understand it, but I'll, I'm excited to see how it goes. As far as like big proven roadmaps, I think people like Nike are going to look at collectives like Board Ape and go, so these guys are like kind of out of nowhere, minted these 10,000 NFTs around a club promising like a boat party. And now it's this $4 billion gaming company, you know, in the matter of what, like two years. Okay. That's really impressive that they've built that from scratch. And there's no game yet for what it's worth, right? They don't even have the game out yet. No, but that is actually one of the most compelling things I've seen with like 10,000 concurrent players in a massive multiplayer online platform. I, I watched it being like, there's no lag. Everything's working fine. I was, I was waiting for something to crash. It was really impressive. You know, and maybe maybe the, when it does release, it's like, okay, that's about it. It's stand around and talk and it kind of sucks. But it's impressive. And I think from Nike's perspective, they go, okay, we don't need to build that brand. We already have it. How do we engage people? Um, and we actually wrote about it recently. It was like the concept of like, cool, all right, well, let's Nike Run Club. It's a thing. People already have that app on their phone. The next time they do an app update, they go, all right, we're going to integrate a wallet. You don't need to do anything. You have it now, but we're going to track your runs. And then all of a sudden you get an email saying like, hey, congratulations, you've run a thousand miles. You are now in the running to go to a fireside chat with Michael Jordan, Usain Bolt, what, whoever it is. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the argument I kind of make in my own head is like, okay, well, yeah, they could have done that without NFTs, without Web3. Where Web3 comes in is they're setting themselves up to collect those royalties being like, okay, we're going to give you this asset for free. We're going to assign it value by giving you that fireside chat or giving you free tickets to some sporting event. And then you can go on our open marketplace and go, I mean, all right, let's say Michael Jordan's talking in New York. I live in LA. I'm not making the trip. I'm just going to sell it. That NFT is now valuable pretty broadly. And if they do it at scale on an individual level, it's way better for me as a runner. What Nike's going to take two and a half percent, five percent of the sale. It's a ten thousand dollar sale. Have it. Cool. I'm I'm stoked, but it's once it's at scale and there's a lot of trading volume, that's where Nike makes a huge amount of money. So this is like beautiful balance of like the the customer, the individual feels like they're winning at the same time that Nike does. Let's talk about communication because obviously you're in the business of written communication and I do feel like this is a big opportunity to onboard people, more clear communication. Even Nike wasn't super clear with their communication. And a lot of projects these days seem to have a mystique and confusion about what they're doing. They're not really uber clear. And I've got a feeling that that's going to have to change in order to get more people into the space. What are your thoughts on that? Yes. I think right now there's been this push for, you, you, can, you can just pick the buzzwords. NFTs have to have utility and community, which usually ends up being like, okay, the utility is you can use it to get into a discord, which gives you access to a community, bam, utility and community. And you're like, okay, well, I, there's only so many discords I want to be a part of. The people that are doing it at scale like Nike, yeah, sometimes it's like, I think early on is, I, I'm guessing it was a, a chosen decision for them to be like, cool, we're not going to try and go broad reach with this. We're targeting the Web3 natives. 
so we can kind of talk in this double speak because they get it. But if you want to scale beyond that and for it, I'm going to say permeate for the like 10th time since you said it, it's going to have to soften. It's going to have to be pretty much uh, translated is, is a very basic term, but it is. It's like, why are we calling them NFTs? Most people will know them as digital collectibles and be like, oh, I get it. NFT, you look it up and be like, non-fungible. Where is fungibility? It's like, we're just putting so many steps in front of people at the moment. And, you know, that's okay. The internet was confusing as hell when it first came out. So let's talk a little bit about, and you've talked a little bit about this, but you've talked about how games are going to probably bring people into Web3 and they're not even going to know it, right? And we've seen Reddit has brought a lot of people into Web3 without even knowing it just by doing some of the things they've been selling their little avatars or whatever the heck they call them on Reddit, which has brought a lot of people into Web3 without them even realizing what they were doing. Talk to me about Shopify gating and events a little bit, because I know that's something we were chatting about before we decided to record. Yeah. So giving giving an answer to one of a, your first questions of like, why should you be excited about it now? I did kind of take the, uh, no, you, maybe you shouldn't be. Here's something that is genuinely tangible and actionable now is there has been a rush to offer NFT gating to plug and play through the Shopify app store. So essentially you can create these NFTs, give them to your customers and say, you go to this page, you show your NFT and you get pretty much like it, you get into the back room, the private, you know, discounted section or limited edition runs. It's that whole thing of like, yeah, that really nurturing your diehard fans that are going to go through the process of going and setting up a MetaMask if they don't have one because they love your brand so much and they want that access to those premium goods or discounts. That's the exciting part for me is like the Shopify wants us on the app store. It's it's up to brands what they do with it, how they reward people. The gaming play, again, I think we've... <laughs> I, I need to watch how much I talk about it because... I'm, I'm a gamer. I'm not huge into it. And I totally understand why most gamers really detest Web3 because it's been done really poorly for a very long time. But it just feels like one of those things where, yeah, that's going to hit. What about events? Yes. So I have background in music marketing. I haven't been in it for years now. But I remember thinking this 80s or 90s, they went from you know physical mailers to email and then didn't really go much further. And seeing what music artists are doing now with NFTs is really interesting. Like there is this, again, nurturing the, the super fans. I'm interested to see where it goes at scale. So once someone creates a very easy NFT ticketing pro, where essentially, you know, instead of getting your event right email with a QR code, it goes to your wallet. Ideally, your Apple wallet that is Web3 enabled, but, you know, a boy can dream. Let's say for now, as just to your MetaMask, and then you scale that out. Imagine if you were, who's a big superstar. Imagine if you went to a 100 capacity show to see Billie Eilish when she was, you know, just had no name whatsoever. And that was minted as an NFT with a specific design for that specific date at that specific venue. And then you scale it out to where she is now. She as an artist has the opportunity to go, all right, I'm going to go and nurture those people that have been with me from the very beginning, I'll do a private show, I'll send them custom merch. And then what is also great for that listener is I have, I went to like three of her shows and I'm getting all the same benefits. Maybe I'll go and sell one on the secondary market. 
there is this beautiful flywheel effect that can come into it. And I think when the infrastructure is there, it's easy to use. Again, we'll get that roadmap will be proven and growth will just naturally happen. It'll happen in the background. We'll have NFTs without really knowing it. Excellent. Chevy, if people want to reach out to you, what's the preferred social platform, if any? And then also, if they want to sign up for your newsletter, where do you want to send them? Sure. So I am at Chevy Casa, C-H-E-V-Y-C-A-S-S-A-R on Twitter. That's probably the best place to uh, reach out. And if you want to read what we do at Web3 Daily, we translate Web3 and crypto news into plain English every day. You can find us at web3daily.co. Thank you so much, Shavi, for coming on and answering all my questions today. I really appreciate it. Mike, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash W59. If you're new to the show, would you be sure to follow us? And also, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Web3 Business Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may Web3 continue to change your world. The Web3 Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. The information provided in the Web3 Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.